Hey, family and friends. Welcome, glad you're here. Can we stand up and sing together? Um, I have had a week of um, a lot of really good combos, a lot of really good chats with some, some trusted friends and some brothers and sisters in Christ, some, some students, um, some good hangouts, late night with leaders from the youth ministry to coffee chats. And, and I feel like a theme of my week has been me realizing time and time again as I'm talking to people and we're sharing in testimony and kind of rubbing shoulders with conviction from the Holy Spirit and sharing what's happening in our lives. Just realizing how freeing and easy, but also how huge of a deal it is to follow Jesus. How cliche I know that sounds, but like the, the crazier your own world becomes, the crazier our world becomes, the more chaotic our lives become. Um, as you start to see pain wellow up in your life or in your friend's life or your neighbor's lives or just through things happening, through rubbing shoulders with people, realizing how big of a deal it is to follow Jesus, to like claim for yourself and before others on a daily basis, I follow King Jesus. I call him Messiah and friend and I believe that's true. So we're just gonna start off tonight singing, I have decided to follow Jesus. And I bet everyone in this room has, but in case you haven't, I hope that you're inspired too, okay? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Seen the cross before me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning held in your hand. When castles crumble and breath is fleeting, upon this rock I will stand. Upon this rock I will stand.
we love you and we sing praises to you tonight. Just gladly and loudly and unashamedly, we just wanna worship your name. We want you to be the reason we gather. We want your name to be magnified. We want Jesus Christ to be revealed in our midst. So do a work in this room by your spirit here in us and through us, please. We give you glory, we love you, amen. You guys can take a seat. Well, good evening. It's good to see you all here tonight. Glad that you have uh, chosen to be with us. My name is Doug, and I am honored to be able to welcome you uh, to Fellowship Mosaic. I was just thinking, we've, uh, my family and I have been part of this congregation for probably a little over 15 years now. Um, and these have been 15 years of the best Saturdays of my life. Uh, I really enjoy gathering and worshiping together with, uh, with you guys. And so uh, it is really my honor to welcome you. If this is the first time for you to come and be a part of this, let me just say welcome. Uh, we want you to sit and relax and participate to whatever degree you're comfortable. Uh, and just know that this is a place where we're going to focus on Jesus and his word and let the Holy Spirit move in our hearts and so we just want you to feel like uh, this is a place where you can sit and it's safe and, and we want, we're glad that you're here. Hey, one of the things I'm excited about is we've got some things going on that um, just, you know, kind of make feel like life may be almost normal again. And I love it. Okay. First of all, how long has it been since we as a body have had a chance to kind of just play together? Long time. And so we're going to do something we haven't been able to do for a while. We're going to have a swim party. You remember those? Anybody remember those? Where we all would gather and uh, we would hope, hope against hope that some people would keep their t-shirts on. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're going to have a swim party. A family swim night. You're going to be hearing some more details about it. But I just wanted to, to, to tell you about that Wednesday, July 21st uh, down at the, the uh, water park in Springdale. And we just come have a good time. Uh, it costs you absolutely nothing. You can't beat the price. Come on. And, and it's a great time. And, and just come and let's just play together and enjoy some good fellowship and, and being together with one another, okay? Another thing we've got going on uh, this summer, we've got our community training series. We've got one going on tonight. If you forgot about it, didn't sign up or whatever, there'll be a repeat of tonight's in two weeks. And so just to let you know, and then we'll have two more in August as well. Uh, and so we're excited about that. And so uh, just wanted to, to kind of put that on your radar as well. Okay. Um, we promised to try to keep you posted if anything changed in our, in our leadership and what's going on. And so, uh, Chip, would you come and, and share with us kind of a, a quick update? Absolutely. <laughs> hey, Mosaic. Hey, I, uh, I got to play a little ball in high school. It wasn't very good, but I was taught one thing by my coach, and he watched for the number of assists that you make as well as the number of points you would score. 
And so what we've been about here since, uh, what, November, when the, the Samaritan Fellowship Opportunity, or now Samaritan Church with Matt, Scott, and Joy, uh, we've been doing a lot of assist. In fact, uh, Gage and I were watching the Phoenix and the Milwaukee game the other night, and there was one play in particularly where Phoenix is bringing the ball down, and they made 10 passes before they, somebody took a shot. And I remember playing basketball, and we'd go into the locker room at the end of the game, and everybody wanted to get the stat book and pay how many points. And our coach and drilled within us, it's not the number of points. We, we celebrate the number of assists. And so we've had a number of assists going on. And just want to bring you up to date. Of course, now, Matt and Joy and Scott, a couple weeks back, we commissioned and sent them out. And so we got together a, uh, a team who is doing some wonderful assists. And uh, if you'll take your fingers like this and make a triangle, everybody jump in there and make that triangle. Our, our congregations are led by what we call uh, leadership triads here at Fellowship. And at, the, at one point, there's, there's someone who serves as congregational lead, someone that serves as worship, somebody that serves as community. This guy has decided to make an assist. And so Doug and Colin Jackson and Ryan Chola are what we're going to call a transitional triad just to get us through a couple of three more months of, of change and everything that's going on. And we just wanted you to be aware of it. If you love what's going on at uh, Mosaic, let Doug know. If you don't like it, you let Doug know. He, he's the man. Uh, the, 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 they used to call it the shell answer man. Doug will try to do his best to keep you informed. But we wanted to bring you up to date. And just one other thing about staff here at Fellowship. We're not about personalities. We're really not big on staff. We're big on you. Our staff exists to get behind why God's brought you to Northwest Arkansas. So here at Mosaic and Fellowship, it's not really how you fit in. It's how our paid staff can get behind what you're about and what God's doing in and through the platforms and the ministry that he's entrusted to your care here at Fellowship. But for the time being, Doug and Colin and Ryan are going to serve as the uh, congregational triad for Mosaic. Huh? Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Chip. Um, I hope that increases your prayer life significantly. <laughs> it did mine. It did mine. Uh, I'm honored to be able to step in and help out and, and to lead. Hey, would you stand with me? And I want us to read these scriptures together. It's kind of a confession and, uh, and uh, lead, lead us in worship here. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Sing with me. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise the glories of my God and King and triumphs of his grace I could display in every language see a thousand words could never say the praise I have for thee hallelujah 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 
summed in glory His face I at last shall see T'will be my joy through the ages To sing of His love for me thinking about you as the man that you are. Jesus Christ, human man, sitting at the right hand of God. I stand amazed in your presence. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus, the man, the Nazarene. How great you are. How magnified may your name be in our midst. Yet again, I pray that prayer. Oh, Lord, thanks for bringing us together, and thank you for the truth and the conviction um, that your spirit will bring to us in this time. We submit ourselves over to you. Oh, how we love you. Amen. Thanks, Scott, Bree. Mosaic, you sound good singing the old stuff. <laughs> you do. I just had to stop and listen to you. Wow. Sweet, sweet sound. Well, we're back into uh, Hebrews, and if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Hebrews chapter 12 tonight. We're going to look at the idea of uh, running well. You know, as you go through the New Testament, in fact, the Bible, in, in fact, there are always these metaphors that kind of describe or illustrate the Christian life, uh, like sheep or aromas or vines, soil, fruit, rocks, uh, salt, like family. And tonight, uh, the author, the teacher in Hebrews, uses a metaphor, an athletic metaphor of running. And so we're going to jump into a text that's probably familiar for most of us and uh, have some insight and some awareness as to how you and I can run well over the next seven days, okay? That's where we're headed. Let's look at the text. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Okay, we're going to make some observations. It's just two verses, and we'll try to get around a half dozen observations as we work our way through this passage. First observation in running this race with perseverance, this, this course that's been set out before us, that is the Christian life, Let's run inspired. Let's run inspired. Back to the text. Therefore, uh, for those who've been through inductive study and been around for a while, anytime there's a therefore in Scripture, you need to stop and realize what? What's that there for? <laughs> and that therefore is there for us to remember as uh, Hebrews chapter 11 was so beautifully read last week by Laura Self. If you, if you weren't here last week, she read the entire passage 
And oh my, I, I came into work Tuesday and just said, Laura, we just need to get you on a microphone and let you start from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to the end of Revelation and let you just read the Word of God. Get you some earbuds or some earphones or whatever and just go back and watch that podcast and, and just listen to Laura as she read that text because it's called the Hall of Fame of Faith. And what the teacher and the author does in Hebrews is just kind of licks his tongue and just kind of goes through the scriptures to different runners, in our context and metaphor tonight, different people who ran well. And the idea is, therefore, look at how they ran and be inspired to run well yourself. Because it, it says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And our context tonight, let's call that cloud of witnesses a community of runners, all right? So when we run, we're not running alone, we're running with others, and we're running in this community. And I just picked out a few. You, she, uh, as Laura read last week, and as the author writes here in chapter 11, we look at Noah, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, and David. And the thing to notice about all of these runners is that they run by faith. That, that is the enhancement. That, that's the thing to be inspired. Not only how they ran, but they ran by faith. And as Colin unpacked that text with us last week, we came up with a working definition straight out of verse 1 of chapter 11, what faith is. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And, and that's how all those runners ran. They ran by faith. But from time to time, they would stumble. And personally, I'm glad they did. Because there are some days I'm running by faith, and I've got a good pace, and I've got a good clip. And then there are other days I am just falling off the track falling off the trail. I don't know if that works for you, but I just, I went back through that list. Uh, if I can go back there. Oh, I am click, clicker impaired. I just want you to know that, so bear with me if I mess this thing up. But let's take a look at Noah. Noah ran by faith, and he's commended for running by faith. But he stumbled one day or one night and got drunk and naked in front of his kids. Ooh, there's a stumble. Or Abraham ran by faith, but he also lied to authorities and tried to pass his wife off as his sister. Hmm? You know, and something else about Abraham, he was really old as he ran, which, again, I find that inspiring. I'm comforted at this season of life. <laughs> Jacob's next and all that is Jacob, but you know Jacob was known as a liar and a cheat, I mean, he came out of his mother's womb grasping at the ankle of his brother, wanting to get ahead and, and cheat his way in issues of covenants and promises and lands and blessings. And you know the narrative. Jacob was a liar and a cheat. But there are 14 times in the scriptures where God is, be, is proud to be known as the God of Jacob, you'll find in the Old Testament. He's the God of liars and the God of cheats. And he offers grace and forgiveness. So there is Jacob. He's running by faith, but he gets tripped up. Joseph, uh, he came from a dysfunctional family. Some of us can identify with that one. Moses had a speech impediment, murdered a guy, and he had a short temper. <laughs> Rahab made some pretty poor career choices. Gideon, Gideon wrestled with doubt and insecurity. And then David... He had issues concerning adultery and murder and the abuse of power. But we don't remember them for how they tripped up. We remember them how they ran by faith. And that's the beauty. And back to that de definition that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I sat down with a friend several years ago, and we were sharing, you know, how we wanted to run the race by faith and be known as guys who could stay on the course and stay on the trail by faith, knowing that we would have those momentary lapses in judgment. We came up with a working definition that when we stumbled and when we fought, we could return to faith 
because really what we wanted to develop within our pace and our cadence as runners was an expanding capacity to believe God for his best. And when you stumble and when you fall, which we all will, that helps to get back up and say, wow, that was a train wreck. Forgive me, God. But I'd love to have an expanding capacity now to believe you for your best in all of this and in my life. And so, run inspired. Number two, run determined. Let's go back to the text once again. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. The race that is marked out for us. Throw off is an interesting word there. It means to throw off the weight, the heaviness, the clothing, and to run light. We were uh, getting ready and having a good time in the green room before the service tonight, and everybody said, Jackson, like it's 98% humidity, and you're wearing a sport coat, to, sport coat tonight. You look good, but, you know, well, it's actually a prop. <laughs> I'm wearing the, the sport coat, number one, to hide my body fat. But number two, this is literally what it means, is to throw this thing off, to lay it aside, to put it down, and wear something that you can really run in, something that's light, something that breathes, no matter how much body fat may be under it. But that's another story. But the idea is to, in so doing, run light. And then there's this phrase, the sin, that so easily entangles. It's the thing that restricts. It's the thing that impedes movement and progress. It's the thing that trips us up, even ambushes us from time to time. And to put that aside as well. And notice the author doesn't tell us what the sin is that it entangles. It, he doesn't mention or give us an illustration of the sin that trips us up or that we get ambushed by. I think that's good because it's different for every one of us. But remember why he's writing to this group of believers. They are struggling with who they are and their identity in Christ now, and they're tempted to question, to doubt, and return to something that is far more cumbersome. And in returning to that, they can't run light. What's yours? I find it fascinating that when I look at some of the sin that trips me up, usually at the heart of it, all this stuff rests on a pedestal of doubt in my life. Where rather than having an expanding capacity to believe God for his best, I choose to doubt that. And you can't advance in the race. It will slow you down. It will trip you up. It will even sometimes take you out. So let us throw off, jettison the issues of sin, doubt, whatever they may be, and run with perseverance, perseverance. You know, there's a, there's a sport out there that I just got recently, well, in the last few years, introduced to, and it's the, the sport of ultra-marathoning. <laughs> It's just not a marathon. You know, a marathon is 26 miles and 385 yards officially. How many of us have run a marathon in the room? Yeah, I see one or two. Okay. <laughs> Some of, this is an alien concept to run a marathon. Ultra marathons go way above it. So race a race is considered an ultra marathon when it's a minimum of 31 miles. 0.07 miles. Can you imagine running 31 miles at one time? Mm. Ultras typically though begin with 50 up to 100 miles, but they tell me that there's really no limit. You can run till you drop dead in an ultra. It's, it's, it's ultra running, it's distance running, it's, it's the idea here that it's not a sprint. It's a long haul, and that's the meaning of that word 
perseverance that the author uses there. I've only really, I may have met a few, but I only know one ultra marathoner in, in my relational world. And it's this guy, the guy in the back, the guy in the gray. You may recognize him. That's Will Blanchard. And Will Blanchard is a ultra marathoner. And actually, that guy running in front of him is his neighbor in the red, Corey Smith. And they get out and they'll run 50, 100 plus miles and, and come in and just like you and I would, you know, walk around a loop at Walmart or whatever. It just doesn't have much of an effect on these people. They are amazing to me in how they run. And I've asked Will a few things about ultra running and long distance running and persevering. And not only have I asked him about this, I've watched him run like this, but I've also watched him lead like this. I've learned from this ultra marathoner, this guy with perseverance that's going for the long haul in his, his pursuit of Christ, that the, the, one of the great secrets to persevering and ultra running is what he calls relentless forward progress. It's just some days it's one foot in front of the other. And some of us know what that's like in life. You just, I, I made it through a step today, you know. And the idea of relentless forward progress is something that I've learned from Will as I've watched him run. Um, I went to a running magazine called Runner's World. And uh, there was an article that I found. This is what happens to your body during an ultra. When you're persevering in one step, relentless forward progress. You get nauseated. You throw up. You have blurred vision. You get sleepy. You hallucinate. Sounds like a day at the office. <laughs> and when ultra runners have been interviewed, they're more likely to tell you they do it for the beauty of nature and a sense of purpose rather than the, com the competitive edge or whatever. So you don't run an ultra on a fixed track. You run an ultra out in the woods, out in nature. Will and Corey did something insane a month ago. They ran what was called the rim to rim to rim of the Grand Canyon. They journeyed out to the Grand Canyon and on the south rim looked to the north and ran, started in the evening and ran down through the canyon under a full moon at night. It had to be stunning beauty. But anyway, they're running with a team through the canyon at night to the north rim, rim to rim. And they get to the top of the north rim and they do a little bit of recovery time which would have been hospitalization for me. And then they come back and run it again. And it took, Will told me, about 26 hours. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that insane? We run this race with perseverance that's been marked out for us, the author of Hebrews says. And as you and I run as inspired men and women, and you and I run as determined runners. Sometimes the world looks at us and goes, you guys are crazy. That's insane. Why would you follow Christ? Why would you take stands on morality and culture based on an ancient, irrelevant, antiquated book? rather than go with what's on social media or in the headlines or what's on cable. Are you guys crazy? Yeah. Fools is what Paul calls us. Fools for Christ. Another thing I've learned from Will, not only the idea of relentless forward progress, but it's a concept that he calls pacing. And a lot of times, Will will finish his 100 miles and he'll circle back and pick up another runner at mile 75 and run with them to mile 100. Well, that's beautiful. That's elegant. What an assist to be able to do that with another runner for another runner. That's amazing. So let's run inspired. Let's run determined. And let's run focused. Back to the text. The author says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter 
the author and the perfecter of our faith, of the race. You see, Jesus wrote the book. He's perfected the run, and he shows you and I how to do it. He is the author and the perfecter. And there's no better place to look than to the scriptures themselves and watch how he ran the race for us as he not only wrote the book, but he's perfected the run in all 66 books. I tried this on for size. Mickey used to do a thing uh, that he does from memory and he would do it and we would all get emotional and stand up and hoorah and shout and clap, but uh, I'm, I'm not that good at memory. He would, he would memorize what I'm about to read to you, but I hope you'll get the effect. Jesus, the author and the perfecter who wrote the book, who's perfected the run, and he shows us how to run. In Genesis, he runs as creator and the promised redeemer. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he runs as the high priest. In Numbers, he's the water in the desert. Deuteronomy, he becomes the curse for you and I. Joshua, he runs as the commander of the army of the Lord. Judges, he delivers us from injustice. In Ruth, he runs as our kinsman redeemer. In 1 Samuel, all in one, he is the prophet, priest, and king. In 2 Samuel, he runs as the king of grace and love. 1 Kings, a ruler greater than Solomon, 2 Kings, the powerful prophet, 1 Chronicles, the son of David that is coming to rule, 2 Chronicles, he runs as the king who reigns eternally, Ezra, he's the priest proclaiming freedom, Nehemiah, the one who restores what is broken, Esther, he runs as the protector of his people, Job, he's the mediator between God and man, Psalms, our song in the morning and in the night, Proverbs, he is our wisdom, Ecclesiastes, he is our meaning of life. Song of Solomon, he's the author of faithful love. Isaiah, he runs as the suffering servant. Jeremiah, he runs as the weeping Messiah. Lamentation, he assumes God's wrath for us. Ezekiel, he runs as the son of man. Daniel, he is the stranger in the fire with us. Hosea, he's the faithful husband when we run away. Joel, he is sending his spirit to his people. Amos, he delivers justice to the oppressed. Obadiah, he runs as judge of those who do evil. Jonah, he runs as the greatest missionary. Micah, he cast our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. Nahum, he proclaims future world peace that we cannot even imagine. Habakkuk, he crushes injustice. Zephaniah, he is the warrior who saves. Haggai, he restores our worship. Zechariah, he's prophesied as the Messiah who will be pierced for us. In Malachi, he runs as the son of righteousness who brings healing. Matthew, he's the Messiah who is king. Mark, he's the Messiah who is a servant. Luke, he's the Messiah who is a deliverer. John, he runs as the Messiah who is God in the flesh. Acts, the spirit who dwells in his people. Romans, he runs as the righteousness of God. 1 Corinthians, the power and love of God. 2 Corinthians, he is the down payment of what is to come. Galatians, he runs as our very life. Ephesians, he's the unity of the church. Philippians, he's the joy of our life. Colossians, he holds the supreme position in all things. First Thessalonians, he runs as our comfort in the last days. Second Thessalonians, he runs as our returning king. First Timothy, he's the savior of the worst of sinners. He, second Timothy, he leader, excuse me, he's the leader of the leaders. Titus, he's the foundation of truth. Philemon, he runs as our mediator. In Hebrews, the very book we're in, he runs as our high priest. James, he matures our faith. First Peter, our hope in times of suffering. Second Peter, the one who guards us from false teaching. First John, he's the source of all fellowship. Second John, he runs as God in the flesh. Third John, he runs as the source of all truth. Jude, he protects us from stumbling. Revelation, he runs as the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and he is coming again, and he is the one who will make all things new. So, the author says, fix your eyes on Jesus, because he wrote the book, he's perfected the race, and he knows how to show us how to run it well. So, run focused. Next, Run joyfully. Let's go back to the text again. 
As we fix our eyes on Jesus, we see that who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. That takes us back to Gethsemane, the night before he was crucified, where in the garden he went before his father on three different occasions and said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. This part of the race is a little too dark. This part of the race is a little too spooky. This part of the race, if there's any other way, can you let this leg of the race pass me by? And it wasn't God's will. But somewhere in Gethsemane, as he's praying and drops of blood are falling from his forehead, Peter, James, and John, good running buddies though they are, decided to snooze and take a nap. Somewhere in Gethsemane, in that moment before he ever got to the cross, you know what was set before him? Us. Redeemed. Us running around crazy, lost in our sin. Us coming to a saving knowledge through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I restored and redeemed in order to run the race that has been set before us, the joy that was set before him. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I don't know how it is in your race and in your journey, but from time to time, we all grow weary. We all stumble. We looked at those heroes in the hall of faith. They all had their moments of weakness. And it's in those moments of weakness that we need strength. And according to the scriptures, it's the pattern of God in those moments of darkness, in those moments of difficulty, in those moments of great adversity, he gives us a ground of joy to stand upon. In that moment. And there's our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Our friend Gary Oliver has taught for years that joy is a choice that you and I must make when we're overwhelmed and when we're disheartened and when we are discouraged. But here's the deal also, according to Paul, joy is the part of the fruit of the Spirit. We don't have to go find it. We don't have to work for it. It's been given to us. We just have to acknowledge it and step into it. It's there. How's your race been this week? For some, it's a good clip. It's a good pace. We can look at each other and go, I'm doing okay. For some of us, we're going, it's uphill right now. It's hard. And it's rocky, and it's uncertain. And the promise of this passage to you and I tonight, this is the word of God, living and active, dividing between soul and spirit, and bone and marrow, judging the thoughts and the intentions and the attitudes of our heart, and the life and the activity for you who are running so hard, and it's hurting so bad tonight. There is a ground of joy in there somewhere. Choose it. It's there. And stand in it. For it is your strength. Let me take you back to these two guys one, one moment. Notice their faces. If I was running an ultra marathon, my fa I wouldn't have a smile on my face. And <laughs> I was struck by this this photo of both Corey and Will, as they run, they're smiling. It, overall, it looks like they're enjoying the, the experience. And I'm going, man, what does that say about the power of a smile, the power of our countenance? found an article from um, Psychology Today. It was titled, The Nine Superpowers of Your Smile. And here they are. Number one, smiling can make you look younger. So start smiling if you're old. Number two, smiling can make you look thinner. <laughs> Number three, smiling elevates your mood and creates a sense of well-being. Number four, smiling induces more pleasure in the brain than chocolate. Oh, yeah, smile big. Even a forced smile can lead to a mood boost. Okay, 
Look, find, make eye contact with somebody in here and just smile at them for a moment. Freak them out. I, I see you. Yeah, you, your arms are crossed and you're going, yeah, I am not smiling, Jackson. Yeah, I'm talking to you, bro. Come on, put it on me. Let me see it. Yeah, I got it. Oh, it's, it's hidden under the mustache. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. There's just an immediate mood, beast, mood boost. There is something within our brain chemistry when we smile that, that helps a lot and releases good stuff. Uh, smiles can predict fulfillment in a marriage, number six. Number seven, smiling uh, makes you seem courteous, likable, and competent. <laughs> number eight, the span of a person's smile can predict a lifespan. <sighs> okay. And number nine, smiling is contagious, Mosaic. So let's just smile. Not to be happy, but to be joyful. For the joy of the Lord is our strength right now, in this place, in this moment, no matter where we are in our race. Run joyfully. And thanks, Will, for the example. Run well is the last idea. Back to the text one more time as we conclude. As we look at Jesus and we're focused on who he is all the way through the 66 books of the Bible and all of that, the author says that after he ran this race that he perfected and showed us how to run, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now that's quite a finish. That is a race well run. And in so doing, it, it's only allowed for him to be able to be in that position because he alone is victor. He alone deserves the crown. He alone deserves the glory. That's what Mosaic's all about. Huh? All of us matter, all are broken, but what? Yeah, that's him right there at the right hand of the throne of God. It's a place of authority because at the right hand of God where he is now seated, he has the right to rule he is Lord. Paul puts it this way over in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is what? Above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Think about that for a moment. <laughs> With all the people that are mouthing off and all the people that are standing stubbornly and stiff-necked at some point because of now that he's run that race so well and seated at the right hand of God, every tongue will confess to who he is, that great finisher of this race, to who he is, and our knees will bow in his lordship. In heaven, Paul says, on earth and even under the earth, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. He ran well, and he shows us how to run well. So here's the application out of <clears throat> this look into this text and where you are, and as we tighten up our shoes and getting ready to take off our coats and run a little bit better in the next seven days, would you look at that list there and just kind of commit to yourself as a fellow runner, as an athlete in the kingdom, that in the next seven days, I am going to run more inspired. I'm going to go back through and listen to Laura Self read Romans 11 again every day this week for the next seven days and just think upon the truths and think upon the examples and be inspired by those runners of old. Or I am going to be more determined. This week, it's just going to be one foot in front of the other, but this next seven days, there will be relentless forward progress in my walk with Christ. Or I'm going to run more focused over the next seven days. Can I share with you real quick something that's really helped me stay focused? My, my daughter, Sydney, put me onto this back in December and it's the idea of starting every morning with Jesus and finishing every day with Jesus and everything in between, but it helps me stay focused. So if you have your phone, you have your device, go ahead and open up and uh, go to your app store 
and uh, go to a thing called Lectio 365, L-E-C-T-I-O 365, and just go ahead and download it. And call me, we'll go eat Thai food and we can talk about it, but I'm telling you, this thing has helped me stay focused because every morning I get new, fresh encounters with Jesus. And that's biblical. His mercies are what? New every day. And the last thing you want to hear when your head hits the pillow and you go to sleep tonight, the last thing it would be good to hear from on high is well done. And for the next seven days, I am going to focus on him morning, noon, and night. Each morning is seven days of the new mercies and the realities of the race set before me. And each night it's laying down and knowing that this portion, this leg, this day I did okay. For the next seven days, perhaps you will want to smile more, run joyfully. But at the end of the seven-day period, may we all be running a little better next Saturday night. May we all run well. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest, after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Mosaic family, will we, can we stand up together? We have that passage from Hebrews 12. Um, and just like we did at the beginning of the service, um, reading out loud together with Doug, can we read that passage that Chip taught, that we just heard in that video? Um, it's gonna be on the screen. Um, so let's read that passage together, please. Kristen, go ahead and put that Hebrews 12 passage up there if you would. Therefore, since, Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, 
and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. We're just gonna sing all glory be to Christ. After that truth, after being challenged to run the race with perseverance, to not give up, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we're just gonna sing all glory be to him together before we leave tonight. Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive, unless the Lord does raise his house. In vain its builders strive. In humility, in that same posture of humility, let's sing those words tonight. Should nothing. Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy be to you, Jesus Christ, Messiah, our King, who reigns forever and ever. Help us in our weariness and our wondering hearts and minds. Help us to persevere where you're leading us, Lord, individually, in our families, in our friend groups, corporately as a body, as a body of believers in Northwest Arkansas. Like, give us perseverance. Mm -hmm. Give us courage, give us boldness, cast our eyes on you forward, the author and the perfecter of our faith, not on ourselves. We long for you to be the only thing, the only thing that we see. All glory be to Christ. In his name we pray, amen. amen. Fun worshiping with you guys tonight. Love you, Mosaic. We'll see you guys next week.